Hello, this is Beyond the Bell with WASTA, Wisconsin's hub for professional development for anyone working in out-of-school time programs and youth-serving organizations. It's our mission to help you provide the highest quality care to children and their families. If you wish you had an extra tool going into programming to help you guide behaviors in a productive way, wish you knew more about how to provide the whole family with support, or you want to enhance your own well-being, then this is the home for you. We know what it's like to feel like there's never enough time or resources to meet everyone's needs, and we're here to support you through all the challenges. Stay tuned as we explore new ideas and strategies that you can use right away. Rachel Sharon, health educator with Marshfield Clinic Health System Center for Community Health Advancement and Wisconsin Out of School Time Alliance. We're excited you're listening today to our conversation with Jenny Meyer. Jenny is a Safe Routes to School Coordinator at East Central Wisconsin Regional Planning Commission. Jenny works with school districts and communities in seven counties throughout northeastern Wisconsin to promote active transportation and to improve safety. Thanks for being here today, Jenny. Thanks for having me, Rachel. Throughout our learning series on the whole child, whole family, and the social determinants of health, we've identified that both risk factors and solutions are multidimensional and complex. That means it can be hard to help those working in the out-of-school time arena to help families navigate resources, but it also means that the efforts we make have a ripple effect and they can have positive impacts, like walking school buses are a great example of just that. Whether in our largest cities or our most rural north woods, transportation is often one of the largest barriers that programs hear about from families in terms of their ability to fully participate in programming and their ability to access other services. So tell us about your role as a Safe Routes to School coordinator. Sure. Our Safe Routes to School program actively works in communities to encourage active transportation options like walking and biking. Our goal is to make walking and biking a fun, safe, an accessible way for students and families to get to and from school. As the coordinator for the Safe Routes to School program, I provide customized assistance as schools and municipalities improve safety and implement Safe Routes to School programming. It sounds like it's not just about the logistics of getting from A to B, but that you're also kind of having this, like, you support your efforts by making sure it's also safe and then it's fun for people. So it's like, it's inherently motivating. Is that right? Yeah, we, we want to take a holistic approach on it and make sure that we are working with not just the school, but the municipality that we're improving the safety and making it accessible for students in the school district to choose walking and biking as an option. I think when I think about transportation to school, obviously like a yellow school bus, like we all learn from a very early age, that's probably the number one. And then I think about those experiences of sitting in long lines and kind of like the smoke bellowing out of cars and things like that. So tell us a little bit more about like, what are some of the alternatives to the traditional? So just wrap our heads around like the sheer possibilities here. So of course, walking and biking are always great options to get to school. Some other options that families have because walking is or biking is not always an option depending on distance or lack of infrastructure. That school district is going to be required to provide busing to students that are generally it's with um, beyond two miles distance from the school. If you're offered busing, we actively are encouraging you to utilize that busing because it does alleviate some of those traffic and safety concerns and congestion around the school. Other options would be public transit or rideshare programs. Often these companies will provide vouchers for students at reduced costs or may even transport students to and from school at no cost to the rider. 
So what are some of the biggest benefits that you see to kids and what are some to some of these other models? Well, all of the alternative options are going to reduce congestion and parking problems around schools. They're also going to reduce vehicle emissions and improve air quality. We also know that physical activity improves your overall health, fitness, and quality of life. But students who use active transportation to get to school arrive to school awake and alert, which in turn improves their concentration and their academic achievement. And students who are walking and biking to school generally feel more socially connected to their peers and more connected to the community they live in. That's great because I think, I mean, it's obviously if you're walking or you're biking to school that you're getting that physical activity in, but then when you show up to school or an after-school program, like even just the impact on your emotional or behavioral health, how you're able to be more present, that all the different areas of health kind of have a ripple effect on the other. Yeah, they definitely are all tied together. So Jenny, in addition to just that individual health impact that it has, tell us a little bit more about that social connectedness that you mentioned. Sure, Rachel. Well, I think lots of times we overlook the fact that when our kids arrive at school, they're sitting in desks and there's not a lot of socialization opportunities happening for them in the classroom. So being able to walk or bike to school together or even carpool together gives children that opportunity to socialize and engage in conversation that they don't have time to have during the school day. And it also connects them to the community. They feel more a part of that community and are more likely to stay in that community when, when they graduate from high school or college. Yeah, it sounds simple, but something like encouraging a group of parents to collaborate and switch off, it makes the connections that one kid has that much greater. They see different families and they have different friends that they're in contact with and different peers. Mm-hmm. And when you think about, too, how social experiences make us have a better quality of life or improve our health, we overlook that sometimes when we're thinking about the kids. Absolutely. Yeah. So giving just that opportunity to connect. Mm -hmm. So what about the benefits to caregivers in all of this? Because we want to make sure that it's still feasible to get kids to school or to after-school programming from A to B. Yeah. Another great thing about active transportation is that it does relieve some of that caregiver burden. You don't have to run your child back and forth or wait in that long line at school for drop-off or pickup. And you're also saving money because there's less money spent on gas if, if you're having your children walk or bike to school or use public transit. It's just almost eliminating the number of things that a parent or a caregiver has to think about if that mm-hmm. system is already set up and they have other resources to tap into. And who yeah. doesn't want to save on gas money right now and figure out more feasible ways to be doing these things? So if an after-school program were thinking about creating something similar to like a safe routes to school, what kinds of things might they need to assess or take into consideration? First and foremost, I would say the age of the children involved in the programming and then the distance they're going to have to travel. As a general rule of thumb, lower elementary kids can walk about a half mile to a mile. Upper elementary or higher can do that mile to two miles without any problem. I would also suggest taking a walk around the community. Take inventory of transit stop locations, sidewalk conditions, the crosswalks, signage that's there directing them to your location or other community areas. If you don't feel safe walking in that area or crossing at a certain intersection is probably a really good chance that a child isn't going to be able to navigate that intersection either. Also consider liability and parent permission. 
We run a walking school bus program that we have to send out pair of permission slips and have all of the students get signed off to allow them to participate in that walking school bus. So always be thinking about what kind of pair of permissions you have. And do you need extra insurance if you're running a program like that? Is there extra responsibility on your program staff that you need to make sure is covered? All of the alternative options are going to require some initial coordination. But once you have them set up and running, they can quickly become the norm for those kids and families. I think that's really helpful to know because, like, you're giving us just the practical, like, take a walk, see what it is. Like, pretend you're at that level and what would the experience be like walking or riding Mm -hmm. or doing these different activities on your way. And then even just those, like, those recommendations for ages and how you can maybe do that because you might not be able to get every single kid in your program to do, like, a walking school bus or ride to school, but there maybe it's targeting those older kids first and kind of Mm -hmm. building from there. Those are really practical ways to start something in a program. And there are programs that you can build incrementally, too. You might not have a lot of support year one, but if you continue to run it and people see the benefits, it's going to get built up over time. Yeah, so it's like it's self-motivating and self-building and regenerating, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. So, Jenny, just as we wrap up here, I'm curious, as a community-building expert, what else do you recommend to programs that maybe don't have, like, ready access to a social worker or other staff, but they still see the need to connect kids and families to resources like transportation? It's really going to be dependent on the community. The best advice I can give is to take time to learn about the resources in your community and look for as many community partners as you can. For example, your library might be a great option or your public health agency are great community partners that often will share the same um, messaging and mission as you that are willing to assist where they're needed. That's a really good reminder because I think a lot of times it can feel like you're taking on the effort all by yourself, but there's these other entities and these other agencies that might be thinking the same things or might have resources available. I know in our town that the library just happens to be by the bikes in town where you can ride around town. So that's a really good connector right there. Yeah. I always have to tell myself to remember it takes a village and I can't do everything by myself. So connecting to as many community partners as possible makes it easier to really get that information out there and and build programming. Great. Thank you so much for being here today, Jenny. Thank you again for having me. It's been great talking with you. And thank you for listening in. We hope you leave today with a few more tools in your toolbox. Be sure to visit our website and sign up for our emails where we share information about all of our upcoming professional development opportunities.